Disco Mao, Chapter 5 Contracts, David and Mrs. Wang Quote, Extract from Working Contract And you agree that while working in the People's Republic of China to not engage in any behaviour that corrupts the morals of the Chinese people, this is grounds for termination of your contract, end quote. Mrs. Wang, the Communist Party Secretary of the College and the Foreign Affairs Officer of the place, stood in her fake Armani jacket on the steps of the administration building, a smile broadly etched across her pale face. I waved and Mrs. Xu, walking with me, yelled a couple of friendly-sounding things in Chinese. As we got closer, Mrs. Wang said, Mr. Peter, I'd like to warmly welcome you to our university. Her English was strained and slow, and it came out in uncomfortable fits and starts. I smiled back and we shook hands. As we turned and entered the building, I noticed her smile remained pasted on, unchanged, like she'd moulded it for a while with some effort, and she was afraid of losing it somewhere. We exchanged usual small talk as we headed to her office. Mrs. Xu told me in English, loud enough for Mrs. Wang to hear, Mrs. Wang works very hard for the college, we're so lucky to have her. And she kind of smiled more at me than Mrs. Wang as she said it. Mrs. Wang's nephew, who has introduced me by his English name of Scarecrow, was a towering guy, around six foot tall with broad shoulders and a huge head. His hand wrapped around mine as we were introduced. He smiled and ducked out to get some tea for us all. And now I'd like again to welcome you to our college. Mrs. Wang sat back in her chair, that strained smile still fixed to her face. The desk was a huge, dark block of heavy wood with not a stray piece of paper on its surface. A phone sat slightly off-centre. To her left, a small red hammer and sickle flag and a Chinese national flag jutted out from a small, well-polished brass base. We look forward to your teaching. You are helping our students to improve their oral English. You are also helping our country. She paused and pointed at the teacup tea that Scarecrow had put down in front of me. The steam billowed up between us and her face was obscured, slightly foggy. We hope you will enjoy your life here and also abide by the laws and regulations we have. She stopped and smiled at me. I wasn't sure exactly why. Scarecrow then slid the teaching contract in front of me. I leafed through it. It looked pretty much like the contract that had been faxed to me when I was in Australia, so I nodded and was given a pen and signed in three places. I then had to sign a Chinese version of the contract. A document I was assured was the same as the English version. She swept up the pages and countersigned them, that smile still clinging there, stiff, mechanical. She opened her drawer, produced a large red stamp and ink and began stamping some of the pages with the college seal. She said the only thing I'd, I would need to do would to be go by the Australia Language Centre office and pick up a coffee, copy of the contract in the afternoon. Mrs. Xu smiled and said, OK then, we're finished. And she started moving towards the door ahead of me. Mrs. Wang stepped out with us and walked us down to the building's main entrance. We walked past a completed model of the campus that I had noticed before. 
It looked huge and towered up into the sky in a way it was hard to imagine now. We stepped out through the door and into the hazy grey winter daylight. Some workers, perched on bamboo scaffolding nearby, began welding. Sparks showered down and Mrs Shu had to lead Mrs Wang away so she didn't get singed. We walked past the administration building and toward two of the nearest teaching buildings and in the direction of the Australia Language Centre. A huge pond and fountain sat in front of the building, facing the old main gate. But there was no water in it, and when I asked about it, Mrs Shu said, Well, actually, it's only turned on when important guests come to the college or it's a special day, you know? A crane next to the newest of the teaching buildings crouched in a vacant lot, slowly winching huge steel beams from a pile by the road down into the lot. Workers in old blue clothes ambled about in no great hurry, some talking as the beam slowly drifted to the ground. Behind, I noticed the horizon. The city, the city that we could see was littered with similar-looking cranes. I began to see why the Chinese jokingly said the national bird of China is the crane. Mrs. Xu said her goodbyes to me at the centre. I have to go back and cook lunch for my family now. She smiled and wandered off to the teacher's residential area, where my flat was too. I killed some time on the internet at the Australia Language Centre, where I would be based, sipping tea to help me keep warm. An hour or so passed and there was a knock at the door. Dave entered. A huge smile stretched from one side of his face to the other. His smile was wide and gaping and disarming, and I couldn't help smiling in return. He held out his hand and introduced himself. He wore a pair of old grey slacks and a white long sleeve business shirt, he had a magazine of some sort under his arm. His hair was slicked back, but I could see some dandruff off to the side. His handshake was firm, but his palms were wet, nervous. I'm sorry for not seeing you sooner, but I've been away on urgent centre business. He bowed forward slightly as he said this. He was a skinny guy, and his clothes seemed to hang off him and give him flesh, like without the clothes he'd only be bone and sinew. I noticed three pens neatly pinned to his breast pocket as he leant forward to me and told me that my copy of the contract had arrived and I could take it home. I logged off the machine and grabbed it from him. He seemed like a nice enough guy, and he followed me to the stairwell and waved as I left the office. Leaving the centre, I flicked through my contract to the last few pages where my signatures were, and I noticed something strange. It was hard to get at first, and I wasn't sure if it was me that was mistaken. A clause dealing with medical insurance had been changed from 500 renminbi a year to 300 renminbi a year. The amount had been very carefully whited out and retyped in some way. My signature was over the change. I peered closely at it, and the curve of the C looked okay. It was done in the right style, but then it hit me. I smiled and blurted a short volley of laughter that bounced around the concrete walls. I decided not to make a fuss over it, as alarming as the implications really were. It was only a few hundred dollars in the scheme of things, not too much. But I'd always check and double-check my contracts carefully in the future. At least this time, by misspelling my name, they'd made it easy to spot the forgery. Chapter 6. Shock Quote, Unfortunately, euphoria tends to be relatively short and is followed by a gradual decline in mood as the new arrival enters culture shock. 
This second stage is characterized by feelings of frustration and confusion. New arrivals often feel overwhelmed by newness of sights, sounds and behaviours that they are confronted with. Although many of the things are not entirely new, they may have a different meaning in the new country relative to our previous culture. Example, concept of queuing, personal space, eating, etc. And our responses don't always produce expected or wanted results. End quote. I am overpowered by the new, by the grey and the buildings that jut up outside every window. It's a city of bricks and mortar and chaos and corners of dust. So far I feel safe in my flat only, and this can't be good for me. I don't even yet have a VCD or a DVD player to keep me company. It's either overwhelming outside or a tomb in my flat. Lucy called to ask what my homework schedule for the class would be like, and I choked back some laughter and tell her I honestly hadn't thought about it yet, and I was still trying to get a handle on reality. At least she'd made me laugh. We chatted for a while about nothing in particular, and then she said, I'll be waiting outside the main gate with my boyfriend. He's very handsome. I will see you in about 16 minutes, okay? And before I could reply, the receiver was put down, and I stared at my blank wall. I dragged myself up and began the painstaking job of pulling layers upon layers of clothes to shield myself from the cold. Lucy and her handsome boyfriend were paying a rickshaw driver as I got to the gate. The streets were quiet and Lucy explained this was because Ihua people usually get a two-hour lunch break to go home and have a sleep and we were out during this rest time. I liked the quiet. We walked not having to watch for bicycles or dodge people. They walked in my body space, too close, but everybody seemed to walk close to brush each other. I, could, I should have to fine-tune my body distance, I guess. She talked a little bit about the town, the people. It's the first time I'd got to really walk outside the college grounds and my eyes were busy. We left the main street and headed into what she called an old living area. She thought it would be good for me to see a bit of the real town, something common. Her handsome but quiet boyfriend stopped to have a look at a poster up on the wall as we rounded the corner. I was curious to know what it said. He, trans he translated it for me line by line. Quote, Spread and develop the 16 activities during the patriotic hygiene week. Communist Party group's activities in this house are 1. Arrange study sec sessions in Marxism, Leninism and Mao Zedong thought as well as the itinerary of the party, guiding principles and policy for the inhabitants. Two, in giving service to the inhabitants, thoroughly fulfil the spirit and guiding principles of the party. Three, revive the power and obligation of the party members. Often convey the suggestions and requests of the people to the community. Four, organise the enthusiastic participation in the inhabitants of the Five Good Things for Civilised Homes activity. And five, help the community being successful in the prevent crime, keep public places clean work. End quote. Lucy had brought us some green tea in a bottle. And we drank and walked. It was sweet and refreshing. Another new flavour. Something for my body to learn. Coming off the main road, it was quiet, like a harbour away from the flow of cars. What struck me first was that 
like that the area had such a strikingly different feel from the main road, almost like we'd travelled to a completely different area. The shops and buildings were all small, sandwiched tight in front of a, now, a narrow slither of footpath that could only take two or three people walking abreast. Out the front of the first shop we passed, the owner who was playing badminton to keep warm. Although the buildings are old and stained and seem to be slowly crumbling, there's something about the street, a warmth here. No chain stores, no cars, just shop shopkeepers chatting to people they know. The distinction between customer and buyer are really blurry. It's a village, an urban village, and everyone seems to know everyone. It's warm despite the cold. The occupants along this stretch of road were fascinating. Over the space of about 200 metres of the little road, there was a fruit shop, a second fruit shop, the Agriculture Bank of China, a massage parlour with hairdressing equipment and pink lights out the front. And when I asked Lucy about this and the unusually pretty made, prettily made up girls out the front, she said, you can not only get your hair cut, you can also get male special services, and she blushed. There was an auto mechanic, another massage parlour, and then next to that, the Communist Party residence meeting area, complete with round, a round board and Communist Party rules on the wall with a hammer and sickle. Behind all this was a small kindergarten, parents buzzing around waiting for their kids to finish classes. Steamed billowed out of their mouths and some parents stamped their feet to keep warm. There are no cars waiting to take the kids home, only bicycles and parents on foot. I like my first taste of the city. I want to dive into it, get lost in endless folds of street.